God is good. <laughs> yes, good morning, everybody. Can we have a sev- seventh inning stretch and get up on our feet? I just got some of that, that Australian dream stuff. I'm going to jump around like a kangaroo up here. I never did get an AARP card. I'm in denial about it, but I'm really looking forward to the lunch. And in fact, young people have actually served in that. Uh, uh, Joe and Stacy met there, fell in love, got married. He just had a birthday, and she snuck him off to Breckenridge, Colorado on a surprise birthday. And uh, God is, uh, you know, faith turns dreams into deeds. It bets its life on the unseen realities. We walk by faith and not by sight. But as Christians, we're not in denial. We're not oblivious to the problems of life, and we're not embracing mythology. Our lives are rooted in reality and authenticity, God being the the author and the creator of existence. And sending his son Jesus is the master stroke of proof of his love for his people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, how many of you are believers? How many of you have, you know what a believer is? It's not a religious person that's trying to perform to appease a, an unhappy and reluctant God. A believer has beliefs. I believe that he is, and I believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. There's a pony in there somewhere, as Ronald Reagan said. And God always causes things to work together for good. And because we're not deniers, we acknowledge challenges and trials, but we don't obsess on them either. We don't have a fixation on suffering like it's some sort of redemptive thing. Um, there, there is a, a, an awareness that what the enemy means for harm, God turns around for good. And that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, he'll also bring it to pass. And he being the author and the perfecter of your faith, and knows the number of hairs on your head, and this brother that just grew a beard, he knows the number of hairs on his beard, and knows the lack of number of hairs on Asher Ben Ruby's head, he knows the end from the beginning. And we can just trust and believe and be assured and have confidence because he's the Prince of Peace. And there's a peace that passes understanding. Where you, you, got, you scratch your head, I have peace, even though all hell's breaking loose in the world around me. Wars and rumors of wars and all that kind of thing. And yet, I know the greater one lives in me. Say this with me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.19, say this with me. And by God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now knuckle somebody, knuckle bump somebody in the jaw and then you can be seated. God bless you. You knew you wanted to do that. Go ahead, get it out of your system. Heavenly Father, I ask that you help me to speak your word. I trust you for wisdom. I trust you for prompting. I trust you for the gifts of the Spirit, for that anointing. I know that you're the, you're the potter and I'm the clay. 
I'm, I'm, Adam was created from the dust of the earth, and you're mindful that we're but dust, and I am too. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. There's treasure. I realize my clay pottedness, but I also realize your amazing, overabundant goodness. And that Holy Spirit that you have given that's poured out on all flesh. That's where I need it. I need your Holy Spirit in my flesh. And I thank you for quickening and guiding and leading. And may this be the best service we've ever had since we started in 1988. In Jesus' name. All you guys online, I'm happy you're there. And I pray blessing on you. Let's go to Matthew 16, 13. I'm going to Caesarea Philippi 2,000 years ago. Jesus is with his disciples. He gathers them all up. Uh, they're sitting by a body of water on some rocks and a gathering place. And, you know, it's, it's uh, the transportation mode then was either on foot or by camel or mule, I suppose. And um, they're sitting together and they're having a conversation and Jesus poses a question. Hey, guys, um, who do people say that I am? What's the, what's the general consensus? What's the vibe what are people saying? Uh, well, some say you're John the Baptist because he had been beheaded. And, you know, they're thinking he's John the Baptist back from the dead. Um, somebody else said, hey, Elijah, or said Elijah, that great prophet, or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So the general consensus is kind of down here. Well, we, we think you're prophetic. We think you might be, you know, on the levels of John the Baptist, Elijah, or Jeremiah, those are kind of complimentary acknowledgments. It's pretty good. Everybody say pretty good. Simon Peter raises his hand. Master, master, teacher over here. And um, he says, who do you say that I am? He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. <laughs> Jesus is so pleased with this. He confers one of the greatest compliments you'll ever read in the Bible. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So when he said, who do the people say that I am? It's coming from the horizontal humanity, knowledge, communication, information kind of level. But when he asked Peter, and Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the, the chosen one, you're the one that all those prophets they think you are, you actually prophesied about you. I get it. And you're the son of the living God. So this is your mission and your title, and, and, you, and, the, and you are deity. You are, you are God in the flesh. He goes, okay, man. That's a blessing. There's blessedness on that. That's revelation. That's revealed knowledge. You didn't get that from other people. You didn't get that from a download or Googling. You didn't get that from somebody else telling you. You didn't get that from the telephone game. This is not mythology. This is not some sort of thing that is just a, a, a concept. Uh, you got this directly from the creator himself. And he said, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And 1 Corinthians 3.11, there's only one foundation, and it's Jesus. He is the foundation. No, one, no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus' name is above every name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I told the guy that was witnessing to me November of 1972 that I thought there were many paths to God. I had bought into the pluralistic idea that all roads lead to God, and they don't. There's a broad path that leads to destruction, but there is a narrow path that leads to the, the, the right track. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. But then on the other hand, Everyone, every man, woman, and child from all nations, every ethnicity, both genders, can come to the Father because he desires no one to perish but all to have eternal life. And God gave us a decisional, volitional uh, aspect in our humanity. I know this because Adam and Eve had choices, and they made bad ones, unfortunately. Jesus made good choices. He chose this day whom he would serve, and he was uh, committed and obedient all the way to the end. He, he was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, so that there would be this tremendous sacrifice and payment because the wages of sin is death. And, but because Jesus never sinned, he would never be subject to death unless he subjected himself to death. So he was willing, he said, oh, that this cup would pass from me. He saw how brutal it was going to be, separating from God, becoming a sin substitute, and, and, and then dying. Jesus came to suffer and die. That was his agenda, so that we could have access to the throne of grace. And that's the message of Christmas, that's the message of Easter, and that's the message of everything in between. Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and he, we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But it's essential that we get it and receive it. So the reason I'm up here restating the obvious to you and preaching Jesus to you is kind of like when Paul went to Corinth, and he said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He had to determine that because he could have gotten caught up in the subject of slavery because it was really dominant then. He could have gotten into politics about Rome occupying Palestine and how much of a hassle they were and how they were so brutal. And so, so th these idolaters were coming in and disrespecting uh, the, their Jewish faith. They could have gotten into all the leprosy issues or all the detachment issues or all the poverty issues. Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. But Jesus came in singularly to do the will of the Father, and it was to destroy the works of the devil, John 3, 8, undo what the liar, the father of lies was trying to captivate all of humanity with, and he still is. I mean, he's still barraging humanity with deception. That's why, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Aren't you glad? He said, I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into all the truth. Lord's helping us. He's a deliverer from temptation. He's also the one that brings us out of error and into truth. Jesus being the truth. 
And Jesus comes and he's got his arms outstretched to 21st century humanity, all 8 billion of us. I was uh, thinking about my friend Reinhard Bonnke, who labored and strained. And then he had a dream. He's there working in Africa. He's born in 1940, Nazi Germany. And uh, he he and his family have to leave. Uh, And then he goes to Bible school in 1960 in southern Wales. And his only other roommate was the only other uh, spirit-filled Christian in the whole group. They thought they could just contain them. And uh, he came out, and uh, he starts ministering. He goes back to a hated nation after the war, and then he grows up, and he goes to Bible school, and then he goes to Africa. And one night he had a dream, and he saw Africa covered by the blood of Jesus. You know, not in a gory way, but in a redemptive way, because Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So the symbolism and the richness of it was to an assurance to Reinhard Bonnke, the missionary, who rode on horseback and went into obscure villages and preached in small groups and labored and labored and labored and labored, he and Annie and their children. And then uh, he, he, he had open doors and he worked and he served faithfully. Then he saved up and he raised money and he built a, I think it was a 32,000 seat tent. And he set the tent up and then a cyclone hit it and ripped it all apart and dashed his dreams. But then he said, he said that that actually precipitated uh, uh, from a problem to an opportunity. And he said, if we had kept the tent, we would have kept the crowds down to 32,000. But the tent was gone, and then the crowds just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. At some points, reaching a million or over one million people in one setting, bigger than, bigger than Woodstock. But then he had a life threat in Nigeria, and uh, he left, and then there was a riot, and there were some problems, and he couldn't go back for 10 years. But in the last few years of his life, he, he saw, he was believing God for 100 million souls. And in the last few years of his life, the majority of those souls got saved in the, in the, in the last quarter of the game. And while he was battling cancer, God brought him here for about 11 years, and he downloaded, he identified this church as a strategic ministry for reaching the nations. And he downloaded here. It was a privilege. In the last conversation I had with him, as an equipping evangelist, he wanted to come here just to be with people. He didn't even, I don't even want to speak. I just come and just say hi to everybody because of love. But what ministered to me was the value and power of staying with a thing through the long haul so we could see what's up ahead of the purposes of God for us walking by faith, Uh, fighting the good fight of faith. So we could say, like Paul the Apostle, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I believe the Lord, head of the harvest, has a plan. The Lord of the harvest wants to deploy us into the harvest field. Harvest is plenteous. Laborers are few. So I want you guys to understand who Jesus is, what Jesus is, can do, and who you are in him, and what you could do, you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. By my God, David said, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Uh, We're healed by Jesus' stripes. 
He came to pour his Holy Spirit on all flesh. I'm seeing people get baptized in the Holy Spirit all over the place now. There's a fresh renewal of equipping. We've been purged, purified, refined. David said in the or Daniel said in the end times, uh, many will be purged, purified, and refined. He said the wicked uh, will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight will understand. The end time church is that Jesus is coming back to. He's refining. He's preparing. And that's my introduction, and I have two scriptures that I want to bring to you, one out of Isaiah 7 and one out of Isaiah 9. If you're a note taker, I have a four-point message that describes who Jesus is, what he can do, what he does, what his capabilities are, his availability to you. So good so far? So good? Are you guys in, in a receptive spirit? Uh, I pray that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would come on us. The eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. I actually believe God, the Holy Spirit, will personalize this for each one of us. And I've always believed going into a meeting, and I pray for the speaker, that God would give them utterance, that they may make it clear in the way they ought to speak, so that it's Jesus glorifying and it's essential nutrition for the hearer. So I believe God customizes these things in every service. And I believe it's no coincidence that you're here. It took something for you to get here, just generally what you've been through in life. Let me ask a survey. How many of you have been through a thing or two? Let me see your hands. I know some of your stories. Some I don't. Um, how many of you are glad you're still, uh, you've got some sort of detectable life reading of some sort? I asked somebody, how's it going? He said, it's going. Aren't you glad it's going? The Energizer Bunny keeps going and going and going and going. He gives perseverance. I mean, even the Calvinists believe in perseverance of the saints, and it's a grace, and I believe it too. God is able to sustain us all the way through, whatever the high times, whatever the hard times. Uh, how many of you have been through some high times, and it's been awesome? How many of you have been through some hard times, and it was awful? And yet, God's there for you. He said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. And in fact, this is the first point I want to bring to you in, in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And I'm reading in the New American Standard. Let's all read this out loud. Ready? Read. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is the opposite of absent or evasive. It means God with us. God present to help in the time of need. God for us and not against us. That's his very name. You're going to call his name God with us. When Jesus was sitting there and said, who do people say that I am? They weren't saying God with us until Peter did. He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You're the fulfillment. You were born in Bethlehem to a virgin. You led a sin, sinless life, and you were faithful, and you have signs and wonders following you, and, and the law and the prophets point to who you are and attest to your deity and your authority and your completeness and your thoroughness. Isaiah was on the ball seeing these things and recording these things. And then you flip the page, and it gives an elaboration that's famous during Christmas because of Handel's Messiah. And it's part of the, he wrote uh, the lyrics to this uh, back when he was straining. You know, it was his profession to write music, and he was hitting a dry spell. He had a writer's block. And as the history goes, 
Handel locked himself in a room and knelt down to pray, and light came to him. And he got the song that he's now most famous for. I've heard other songs by Handel, because I listen to classical radio on, on uh, satellite, because uh, I stopped listening to Lawrence Welk, uh, but uh, I, I still listen to that music. And, and, um, but I'm telling you, the ones that st- stand out, King of kings forever and ever. Right? It's it's soaring, and he got it from God. Well, Isaiah got it from God, and here's what it says in Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verses six and seven. Look at this. Look at this. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Now, if you just stopped and meditated on that for a while, you'd be assured with the to us part, that God is for us and not against us. God with us. Everybody say us. You know, the world's trying to get us together by creating division, by highlighting. I mean, I've watched the subject of race decline in its quality. It's gotten weird. I like what Morgan Freeman said. Let's just get on with being people. You know, it's like there's such a sickness that the devil tries to, oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's have equality. And he comes in to bring disturbance. He's the father of lies. He's the agitator. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to not be ignorant of his devices. But the best thing to do in order to detect... Uh, a counterfeit is to study the real thing. The, the, the Treasury Department people and the Secret Service people that are assigned actually to watch out for um, uh, counterfeit money, they, they study the nuances of the actual real money. For example, a $20 bill, there, there's a quality of paper. It's mainly made out of rag content or, or cloth. It has little flecks of green and red fiber in it. Then now they've had to put in watermark, and then they've had to put in a little strip in it, uh, and they just keep, and they keep engraving things in there and keep adjusting it to stay a step ahead of the counterfeiters. But they study the real thing. So when they see the fake thing, oh, that's fake. And Christians, we can study the real thing, and then we can detect false teaching. We could have discerning of spirits. We could not, then we won't be, I mean, we had a con, we've had a couple con men come through, um, and one guy was trying to con the police, uh, one of the policemen trying to get him in on his con, and the guy said, doesn't he realize we're trained to detect this stuff? And I mean, my, my, my alarm system was going off, and he even said to me, he was manipulating me, and he said, I, I feel some pushback from you. And it was all part, it's like, yeah, you do, because you're lying to me right now, you liar. <laughs> Pastor Jeff bowed up there. Well, because we've got to learn good from evil. We've got to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is not just an enlightened one. He wasn't an ancient alien along with all these other religious leaders that was enlightened and eventually the reptilians are going to come out of the ground and everything's going to be fine. That's the devil's a liar. Jesus is coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. He's got plans for the Jewish people. He's got plans for the nations and he has plans for the church. And we've got to line up with the word and we've got to stand. And man, I tell you, 
Uh, Joe has a New Living Translation back there. His dad put him on a New American Standard. I remember when NIV was written, the New King James came out in my lifetime. I love the King James Bible. Uh, I love uh, the Living Bible was a great paraphrase. Is a great paraphrase. Some I like more than others. My favorite is J. B. Phillips from England. But what the best Bible is the Bible you will read. And there's a Mexican lady on Friday night. She reads the Spanish Bible. You know, Pastor John often reads the French Bible to keep his French current. And, um, you know, I just say, read your Bible. If you read your Bible and pray, write this down. This is a revelation. It just came to me. If you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow, grow. If you don't read your Bible and you don't pray every day, you will shrink, shrink, shrink. Shrink, 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 or grow, grow, grow. One of my favorite things in the Christmas production, and I encourage you all to come tonight. This is procrastination alert. It is certifiably the last minute. This is the last one, last presentation. So I'm standing over here in the corner playing the harmonica behind the kids. And those kids are saying, this little light of mine, I will let it shine. Hide it under a bushel basket. And they go, no. I mean, they're like, okay. And as funny as Asher was about the seniors, I'm excited and enthusiastic about the, 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 the youth, and I'm seeing our church in a healthy cross-section uh, of, of amazingness, and I'm seeing what God is doing and enriching and stirring our season we're in right now. I mean, you may not realize it, but we've been purged, purified, refined. The branches have been clipped. God is pouring fresh water on us. He's fertilizing our faith. He's guiding us into his purposes. And these verses identify four characteristics of Jesus that I want to give you, and I've got just a few minutes to do so, so let's get ready. It says, a child will be born to us. That's the human aspect of Jesus, 100% human. A son will be given to us. That is his deity. Born of Mary, a human being of of the lineage of David, Conceived by the Holy Spirit, supernatural birth. The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called four things. Say this with me. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Eternal Father. Prince of Peace. And it says... There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, or the government will rest on his shoulders. And um, there will be no end to his government or peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. And when Asa said, hallelujah, to from then on and ever forevermore. That just shows how one aspect of a long verse can pop off the page at you and inspire your faith. Because from then on and forevermore, for me, assures me that in the constant change and cycles of superficial customs and fads and fashions and, and the trivialities of humanity, God our Father is constant. Jesus is the anchoring entity that we can go to. They could go to in the 1600s, the 1800s, the 2000s. We can get with the Lord in 2023 and enjoy the rest of December. We can look toward 2024 with confidence 
that faithful is he who calls us, and he'll also bring it to pass. There's provision for us. There's direction for us. There's purpose for us. God has a plan. The gates of hell can't prevail against the church. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, from then on and forevermore. Amen. Everybody say wonderful counselor. You know, it says in the Bible, in the multitude of counselors, there's victory. And uh, I've had to, I've had to, order a lot of asphalt. If you just drive out in the parking lot, you, I've had a lot of decisions over the last 40 years about those kinds of things. Uh, I've had to make decisions as a pastor uh, uh, on, on the business levels. And the thing I've learned is get at least three bids. And at least three bids so that you can compare apples with apples. And inevitably, they're always a little bit different. And you've got to work and you've got to labor to make sure you're getting a superior product for a good value. You're taking good care of the, the business that's supplying it. But you're also getting, as a consumer, buyer beware. You're making sure you get the right thing. Look, we've had medical doctors. I was one who battled cancer. And she, she wrote a book about how to conquer cancer. And she said, you got to get a second opinion. She said, I'm a medical doctor. Nobody likes people that are obnoxious. However, she said, you've got to give yourself permission as a patient to be thorough and take your medical care seriously and be and go. And any doctor I've talked to, when you say, I, I, with no offense, but I'd like to get a second opinion, they will look at me without blinking and say, I would. Because they realize they're fallible humans and they realize they have their range of experience, their workload, their other patients, and they want to make sure you feel assured and you have confidence and you know what you're doing. So, uh, you know, there's some people that are buying asphalt, and uh, my neighbor said, well, in our neighborhood, and, uh, well, they're just in a hurry. Uh, they're buying it at the highest price right now, and that if they wait a while, the price is going to come down, and if they, then they can comparison shop. I, I know. So we've got to get good counsel. And let me tell you something about good counsel. Jesus is the best counselor I'm telling you, this sounds obvious, but Jesus knows everything about everything. He is omniscient, all-knowing. And that is a beautiful thing. And that's a unique trait to him. Uh, in Isaiah 28, later on in verse 29, it says, This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who has made his counsel wonderful and his wisdom great. God's ways are always wonderful and great. Wonderful, that's a beautiful word. In, in the Hebrew, it's pele, and it means a miracle, a marvelous thing. He only does wondrous things. He is a marvelous God. That's what's kept my wife and me in the game, is having the assurance that everything he does is impeccable. It's wonderful. It's precision. It's trustworthy. You can look to him and believe uh, that his purposes are going to work, and even that he works everything together for good, and he works all things after the counsel of his own will. You guys, that is awesome. Awesome, wonderful, worthy. Our God is so good. Counselor. It's ya'atz, ya'atz, and it means to give advice, to deliberate, to determine, to resolve, to guide, and to purpose to advise. He's our advisor. What should I do, Lord? What would you have me do, Lord? 
I'm supposed to be in another state today. I got invited into a wonderful situation that is evangelistic. It's unique. It's like you don't have these opportunities just happen out of nowhere. It's, it's very, it, in the spectrum of things, so much of it matches with my calling, what I've been believing for all my life. And I got this, this open invitation. My wife and I got this open invitation with beautiful, beautiful situation with people I love, with opportunities to speak into their lives and to engage. And, to sh- and they know what I'm about. And they know I'm a, a Christian. And, they know, and they've, they, they've seen me only in that context. So uh, it's not a veiled testimony. So they're inviting me in as who I am. But I, I realized as I got the wonderful counselor on it, he advised me, well, you need to be here for this Sunday. You need to be here for Sunday night. This is, yet yeah, though that's an, a, a significant priority in your life, and this is a significant priority in your life, what do I do? Well, this is the one the wonderful counselor led me to land on. So I text him and let him know, thank you for inviting me. I love you, but I can't come. Uh, we understand. Thank, I just we want to let you know you're welcome and that kind of thing. And that's where, that, that is the high class opportunity that comes on obedient Christians is you get a lot of opportunities. And you got to learn to be discerning. How do I go with good, better, or best? I want to avoid uh, the bad, but what, how do you make the gradations? I'll tell you how. He's a wonderful counselor. He'll, you'll say, Lord, what should I do? Like at work. I remember a guy that was working. He got, went to college. He got educated, very developed, gifted person. Was moving up in his career. They approached him. He had a lot of good personal, personality, uh, uh, people skills, leadership skills. Hey, we want you to be, we're going to start a new division in the company. We want you to come over. We want you to have 35 uh, uh, people under you. And this was a young man probably in his late 20s. And he got with me and he said, hey, Pastor Jeff, let's pray together. I, need, I have this opportunity. I said, well, what are you getting in your spirit? He said, well, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant about it. I said, okay, well, let's pray. Because, I, you know, I'm only there to augment, never to override. Prophecy, this is personal prophecy movement. When people line people up, you know you should marry this one and you should quit that job. and go. And that's scary to me. I, I learned that that's not the prophecy gift for the, for the church. That, that, that's, that's directive. No, 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 no. It, it's confirmation, not revelation. And so I was like, okay. So then I prayed with him. And, and yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I sensed that same thing. So he did not, he declined the promotion. And the bosses were like, you're out of your mind. I think it was only six months later he came to me and he said, Pastor Jeff, you know, you, you're just going to blow your mind. Well, what? He said, remember that offer I had? They started that division. The, the, the powers that be changed their mind. And instead of transferring people back in, they, they fired everybody that transferred into that division. Had I taken that what looked like a big bonus, a big promotion, greater authority, greater responsibility, I would have been out of work. Another guy got a job in another state, left. He never asked me, so I just was like, I missed him, I didn't, and I had to check on my spirit about it, but he didn't ask me, so I didn't tell him. He calls me, he says, I think I missed God. I said, yeah, you did. He said, so I'm going to come back. So I said, okay, so he did, and it was great when he came back. Um, because, but listen, can I just tell you, that in gigantic 
bold letters all the way across this full building panoramic from whichever place you're sitting from my side it's wonderful counselor from your side it would be wonderful counselor say it wonderful counselor you know what a wonderful counselor is it's a wonderful counselor because I've seen my friends get counsel and the counselors of the human counselor of the humankind have agendas have human bias and I watched them get into things with people. And then I watched the outcomes of it. Now, don't misunderstand me. We had a professional counselor here, counselor here last night with, a, you know, a, a, I think a master's or doctorate degree level on it. And that's it, great. And we, we use counselors, and counsel, counseling is important. I've taken counsel uh, legally. I've taken counsel in finance. I've taken counsel medis, medically. I t- counsel, I've taken counsel with other ministers. But he's a wonderful counselor. Because it's, it's untainted. It's not biased. And I, can I say this? He has your best interests at heart. From the standpoint of the calling on your life and the fulfillment of that and seeing you through in, in the purposes of God for what you've been created for. And so we can mosey up to him. And let me tell you one of my favorite ideas about this wonderful counselor. This might make you want to read your Bible more. Psalm 119 Verse 24, Psalm 119, David said this about that God's word, about his testimonies, which would be his word and his promises and the scriptures. Psalm 119, verse 24, David said, your testimonies also are my delight. Look at this. They are my counselors. How many times have I walked into the word of God and said, Lord, I need some counsel because your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now I'm running out of time and I've got three more points and wonderful counselor. Just we could stay on that for days, weeks, months, and years. But I want to tell you to take counsel with God about everything. Say, Lord, what, you know, the whole, what would Jesus do thing? And what would you have me do with this? I'm, I'm trying to be led on that as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a grandpa. I'm believing God for wisdom, Right? And number two, because he's a mighty God, that's what, that's what Peter was saying. You're the son of the living God. He's God in the flesh. That's what John called him, the word made flesh. He said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, verse 14, and the word became flesh. Jesus is not just a great enlightened one. He's not, no, he's not John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He is fully God and fully man. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He is good at giving counsel. He'll advise you. He'll, he'll deliberate. He'll determine and give you resolve and guidance and show you what to do for his purposes. Number two, he is the mighty. The word mighty is gibor, gibor in the Hebrew, and it means a powerful champion. And, and the word God in this case is el and it means strength. God, our strength. So it's basically saying strong God, mighty God, or powerful strength, or mighty, mighty. Everybody say mighty, mighty. So in big block letters across this building, he is mighty, mighty. He is the mighty God. 
And I love this, and I'll go with this, 2 Corinthians 13, 3. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is not weak toward you, but he is mighty in you. That's why we can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can make it through menopause. You can make it through your kids' teenage years. You can make it through the, the weird COVID uh, crazy land. You can make it through the nations trying to seize other nations and the, the election year of lying upon lying. And you can see all the divisiveness and you can see all the darkness, but you can see through it. And, and what's preeminent above all the eclipsing of the darkness is that he said certifiably that light will shine out of darkness and that even darkness becomes light in the Lord. And the entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple because he is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. Eternal Father. Eternal, constant, ongoing Father. What? Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Well, I thought there was distinction. There is. But there's also unity. And he is, and these are the Hebrew words. The word for eternal is ad, A-D, ad, without end. And the word in Hebrew for father is ab. That's where we get abba, ab. And so it's adab. Everybody say adab. Not adab, ab, adab. Abacadabra, but Adab, and and it and he is he is the principal one. And I'll tell you what I had a biological father that provided the seed, and I'm thankful for that. But he abandoned me, and I didn't see him till I was an adult. Fortunately, when I saw him, he was born again, and I saw him before he died. He died five months later, so he went to heaven. He didn't die in his sins. I'm going to get to be with him for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. But man, a guy stepped in. At the babysitter, met my mom, married her. My first memory, two and a half years old, was when a great stepdad, Clyde Perry, took on my family and raised me, treated me like a son, loved me, and gave me a good example of fatherhood. But I'm telling you, there's nobody like my Jesus. He said, I and my father one, and he told Peter, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I'll close with Daniel, where he called him. He said he saw a vision of him, and he said, he saw one like the Ancient of Days taking his seat. The Ancient, everybody say Ancient of Days. His vesture was like white snow, and his hair uh, and of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. We have an eternal Father who is a very present help, who doesn't abandon. He's not a deadbeat dad. He's not an absentee father, and he's not emotionally uh, detached. He is very present, amazing, a vital, alive, inclined toward you. He knows each and every one of us, and he calls us his beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God. It puts us in an advantage to know he'll counsel us because he's mighty, and he's eternally, abidingly with us. And lastly, but not least, one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Everybody say, Prince of Peace. Churches that have named their church Prince of Peace, I almost have envy about it. It's such a great phrase. Prince of peace. Because in the end times, they'll say peace, peace, but there is no peace. And, but yet, on the other hand, there's a peace that passes understanding. And it's where we're just like, you know, I see my circumstances, the challenges and trials of life. I see my failings. I see my downsitting and my uprising. 
David said, my sin is ever before me. And yet then he, but yet he sees the goodness of God who came to bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And I'll finish with Luke chapter 2, verse 14. The Hebrew words are sar shalom, which means he is the master of safety, of wellness, of welfare, of healing and health, of prosperity, of favor, of abundance, and of blessing. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Look at this. Let's stand up on our feet. Glory to God in the highest. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now people say, well, I thought there'd be peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So where is it? I'm not seeing it. Well, it's in your heart. There's a peace that passes understanding when we please him. And what pleases him? Faith in God, being hopeful, walking in love. Those things please God. Everybody say faith, hope, and love. Say this with me. I'm a love creature. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My Redeemer lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. To me, he's a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Peace over my household. Peace over my community. Peace over the United States. Peace over the election process. Peace over the nations of the world. Peace in Nashville. Peace in Alaska. Peace in Europe. Peace in Africa. India. China. All around the globe. The whole earth shall be filled. Come on. With the knowledge of the Lord in every place. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. On your way out, let's sing this song. God, you're so good. Uh -huh.